Hi, and welcome to today's episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. Today, I have Carrie Samuelson on the show. Carrie is a direct entry midwife and a midwife at Sage Dragonfly Midwifery. She is married to her very supportive husband, who's a farmer in rural Nebraska. She is a home birth mom and has four kiddos. I brought her on the show today to talk about the current situation in Nebraska in regards to home birth. You will hear more in this episode, and even if you aren't from Nebraska or even in the United States, I would still encourage you to listen to this episode and hear what your sisters are having to face when deciding where, when, and how they want to birth. Carrie is president and founder of Nebraska Birth Choice Advocates, which is a nonprofit that connects and supports women with the foundation of autonomy and respect while giving them access to informed choices. We had a really great conversation from a mom's point of view and share the harsh realities and just the overall lack of support in our beloved state. And I hope this episode informs you and just kind of fires you up and gets you involved with changing the culture wherever you are to support women, no matter what their birth choices are. So let's get into the show. Welcome to the Empowered Birth Podcast. I'm Allie McLean, registered nurse, home birth doula, and former feminist. My mission is to guide you into the freedom that is God's design for femininity, birth, and motherhood. There's a movement happening of powerful women uniting around finding out God's best for us. You're going to find information here that you won't find in your basic childbirth education class. You'll hear stories of women and birth professionals who are experiencing the redeeming experience that birth can be. You're going to get all the information you need to confidently navigate your way from pregnancy to postpartum and beyond. Are you ready to go on a Holy Spirit empowered adventure? Then stick around, you're exactly where you should be. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on and talk to you today. This is going to be a great episode, a juicy episode, especially for those living in Nebraska, I feel like. And I know this is, you know, we have listeners from all over the world, but it's really neat to kind of know what's going on in certain areas. And Nebraska is really special. And not so much in a good way. (laughs) So we're not when it comes to home birth anyway. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. And I'm just excited to have you on. So would you just introduce yourself to my audience? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I am Carrie Samuelson. I live in Nebraska, um, right in central Nebraska. And I am a home birth mom here. And I'm also a direct entry midwife in Kansas. So I live about an hour north of Kansas and I travel there. Yeah. And I'm really excited to be on here with you. And I think you're right. Uh, Nebraska is just has such a unique culture. And sometimes I think home birth and midwives and alternatives are becoming a lot more normal in other parts of the world, but not so much in Nebraska. So we're trying to normalize that. Yeah, we're kind of stuck in this time warp for some reason. And we are one the last state out of 50 states to not have any legalized midwifery for home birth. So is that right? Did you want to expound on that anymore? 
Yeah, we are very unique, just like you said. And we are also one of three states left who uh, prevent certified nurse midwives from attending at home and requiring that collaborative agreement with obstetricians. So we're very unique in that also. And I know there are many organizations working on helping the nurse midwives in that capacity. Mm -hmm. So hopefully soon they will be able to serve at home and not have to work so closely with an obstetrician. And yeah, so yeah. Nebraska, we're, we're unique in many ways, I feel like. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit what collaborative care is that the certified nurse midwives are required to do yeah. for our state law? Yeah, I feel like that's a really good topic because when we're talking about out-of-hospital birth and outcomes and integrating midwives into the health system, we talk about that collaborative care. But when it comes to a license, like what our nurse midwives have in Nebraska, that requires collaborative care with an obstetrician, it looks a little different. When we're talking about wanting collaborative care, we mean we want providers to have an open communication pathway and be able to support each other and work with each other. When it comes to the license requirement, it means that the nurse midwife works under the obstetrician and has to closely follow what parameters they set and what policies they set. And so this can be really restrictive on a lot of choices and can really take some autonomy away from how the nurse midwife can serve and what her client's care looks like. So it's good in one capacity when we're talking about providers working together and support and having access to a higher level of care, but when it's required for a license and you have to work under them, it can be really restrictive. Yeah. And just as an example of what that could look like here in Nebraska, a certified nurse midwife can get in really big trouble for assisting a mom with prenatal care who's planning to have a home birth. And if she's working, but she has to work under an obstetrician, you know, they have their own rules. And so if they're not home birth friendly, this certified nurse midwife, you know, who has a heart to serve all women, no matter what their birth choice is, really can't do that. And so that's like a practical look at what happens when that collaborative agreement is in law for certified nurse midwives. Do you have any other examples that you can think of right now? Yeah, actually, as a patient of a nurse midwife with my second birth, I was approaching 42 weeks. I tend to gestate long and my midwife certified nurse midwife in the hospital. And she was really struggling because she knew if I went to 42 weeks, she had to refer me to the obstetrician she works with based on her license and that restriction. And she was feeling very bad. She said, I, I don't want to be stressing you out. I don't want to be pushing castor oil on you and natural methods. But if you don't go into labor, I do have to transfer your care. And then your birth is with an OB instead of me. And I just remember feeling so much pressure and wondering why things were that way, because as just a mom in Nebraska, I was pretty inexperienced and I didn't know when I hired her and chose her for my birth that she had that restriction. I didn't know until I was a few days away from it. So I can really understand how it affects families based on that experience. Yeah, for sure. Each mom who chooses to 
have a birth here in Nebraska has to kind of like jump through so many hoops and it's not an easy thing. And it causes a lot of stress. I hear from so many of my clients who are looking for options and even just, you know, an empowered birth in the hospital. It's like, there is so many rules and regulations that you have to know your stuff in order to advocate for yourself well. So, or it's not an easy thing to navigate. And it's good to have that support and that community around you to kind of help. Would you say that you had that when you were going through finding midwives and making your birth choices? I really felt like I didn't here in central Nebraska. I could barely find a doula. Anything that I looked up, it was all in Lincoln or East. And at that time, there were a few up and coming doulas. It was in 2016, and it was kind of a new culture coming in in our area. So I was able to find a doula. And at that time, I had even looked for midwives, and I probably wasn't Googling the proper terms to find what I was looking for. But my doula told me about the midwives in Hastings, which is about an hour and a half from me. So, I mean, I I was able to finally get what I needed, but I really had to search and talk to many people and learn a lot, basically, because I didn't know a lot about anything with midwives or even if water birth was possible in the hospital, all that kind of stuff. I kind of had to take information from multiple different places and talk to many people to get there. And that was something that really led me to going down the path I did and why I'm here now. And I've been so passionate about creating the Nebraska Birth Choice Advocate Group and serving families and giving them options because I felt such a lack of community, such a lack of support, or even easy access to information. So really hoping to bring that to Nebraska and for the whole state, not just the Eastern part. And we know that we're so thankful we have many resources there. But once you leave Lincoln and head west, it gets kind of lonely, especially in birth choices and options. So hoping to give support to all areas of the state. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody deserves that choice and those options and that community is really important. So you were talking about when you were Googling options and you didn't quite know the words to say and didn't know what options there were. Well, when it comes to midwives, there's a lot of acronyms that are just plain old confusing. So mm-hmm. would you kind of explain the differences between CNM, CPM, etc.? Absolutely. So the most commonly known midwife in Nebraska, the only midwife that is recognized by our statute, by lawmakers, by medical professionals, is a certified nurse midwife. And we talked about CNMs, certified nurse midwives, are required to practice in the hospital in Nebraska. They are restricted at home. Via the statute, it is a felony for them to attend a home birth. And nurse midwives normally are a nurse or an RN first, and then they enter midwifery school. So they have more medical training. A lot of their births that they attend in their preceptorship are in the hospital. And so they learn all of the tools in the hospital, but then they are also able to serve at home. Nurse midwives 
oftentimes will, not in Nebraska, but in other states will collaborate with the other types of midwives because they can give support with writing prescriptions or pharmacology, or they have a higher level of training in areas where the type of midwife I am, a direct entry midwife, doesn't have. So that's where that collaborative care between providers and support can really come in um, and be helpful. A direct entry midwife is another type of -of out-of-hospital birth provider. That can look a little different for everyone. There are options to go to school, to go to college, and then have a preceptorship. Some choose to do the traditional preceptorship route through NARM, the North American Registry of Midwives. And then when you're done with that, you can choose to certify and become a CPM, a certified professional midwife. Some midwives choose to go through that training and not certify if they live in a state that is unregulated or it's not required. 13 other states in the United States have direct entry midwives practicing unregulated. So that is a little bit, I feel, unique when it comes to midwifery. I know sometimes that can sound really bizarre to people, especially medical professionals, because they're used to credentials and licensing and parameters. And it can sound kind of scary. Oh, there's these midwives out here all willy nilly. No one's making sure they're being competent. But one thing I have found is the families who hire them are very educated. They know what they want. And it would be pretty hard for a fake midwife to convince someone that they were competent because families are smart. So a direct entry midwife encompasses most midwives who enter midwifery, not through the certified nurse route. And then that can look like becoming a CPM, the certified professional midwife, just staying a direct entry midwife, some midwives choose that route, but then call themselves a traditional midwife. And then there are other birth workers who come to midwifery just through experience. So those are normally what we refer to as traditional or independent or some say lay midwife. And they get their experience through supporting families. Some of them grew up in a home birth culture. They started out helping their friends or having unassisted births and they gain experience. Many of them travel for education or gain it online or their self-study students. And they normally do not qualify to meet requirements for a license in states that are licensed. Where I got my training in Utah, they have an optional license. So you can be a traditional midwife, you can be a CPM, or you can be a licensed CPM or a nurse midwife. And it's really nice when you have all of those options. But it can get really confusing deciphering the different types of midwives and their education and how they came to their practice and calling themselves a midwife and serving in that capacity. And I feel like that's where a lot of people get lost. Lawmakers, healthcare professionals, families sometimes Even as a doula, I was a little confused. I didn't really grasp all the differences till I entered midwifery. And so I feel like sometimes I want to tell families, it's okay if you can't remember all of the different things. Here's a very, you know, condensed version. There's these different types of midwives. And that's why it's important when you are choosing options and you're choosing providers 
that you just have an open conversation with them. Hey, what is your education? Where did you get your training? What emergencies have you handled? What would you indicate a transfer for? All of those kind of things can really help you get a picture of what type of midwife they are, how they came to midwifery, and what parameters they serve around. So that's an easy way to for families to clarify if all those acronyms and credentials and not credentials are really confusing. That is super helpful. I think that you're so right. Families are smart. Like they know and they want to choose the best for their baby. They care more about their baby than anybody else does. And so they're going to choose who they fit with right. And so those are some very helpful questions. And you brought up such a good point too about licenses. And it just, there is something in our culture and maybe this is just a Nebraska thing. Maybe this is a U.S. thing. I'm not exactly sure, but there's something to be said about the importance that is put on a piece of paper. And I'm a registered nurse. I am a licensed nurse. And I realized when I got that license, there was a sense of pride that came along with it. And it wasn't until I started that kind of diving into the home birth world and meeting home birth moms and talking to them that I'm like, wow, you know more about birth than like I do. And so the license really meant nothing in that capacity. And I think that's kind of the difference is like, just because you have a piece of paper doesn't always mean you know everything. And that's kind of hard to admit sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I can agree. And I can kind of speak personally on that. I chose to go to the National College of Midwifery and then do the traditional apprenticeship route through NARM. And when I got done, I just felt a little uneasy about those credentials. I felt there was a little bit lacking in some of my education that the CPM credential would represent. And I had to seek out that education on my own. And I have just a few different belief systems than they do as an organization. So currently I have chosen not to certify. I practice in Kansas, which is unregulated. And so that credential isn't required at the moment. It was important to me to go through that and know I could obtain it, but then have the autonomy to choose if I wanted to. But I have talked to many, many midwives, many medical professionals, recently see some CNM, some nurse midwives, and they all tell me, Carrie, get certified, get the credential. It will make you look more professional in other people's eyes. More People will take you more serious. And I do feel like because of our culture, sometimes I do feel that I'm not official, mm-hmm. official, official, because I don't have that. And It is a hard place to navigate and it's hard to be the one that stands up and says, I'm not going to do this like everyone else. And this is why most of my decisions come from autonomy, Mm -hmm. but I have really noticed that people really put a lot of emphasis on those credentials. And normally I explain to people, I could have the CPM letters behind my name, but I would not feel I would almost feel falsely represented. (laughs) I don't feel that makes me competent. I don't feel that proves I'm a good midwife. I would really like to sit in a space with people and them ask me Mm -hmm. questions and get to know me and be able to decide that way rather than just seeing, oh, she can remember questions and passed a test. She's a good midwife. Mm. But that is a really foreign concept for people to hear or understand, especially people who have gone through systems where 
they had to certify or license or have that piece of paper. So I feel like speaking out against that has been kind of new and interesting in a lot of circles I'm in, but I really want to normalize that too and talk about um, this big movement we have right now with medical freedom, I think is giving people a better understanding about it than they used to have. So more people are open to listening and learning and realizing there are other ways of life, other systems that work, and we can work them together into our current climate. I feel sometimes it's the change that scares people. So letting them know we can have good things come and still keep whatever you want from the past. Mm -hmm. Don't be Nebraska can get on board with that. So yeah, I agree. That's so good. And in Nebraska, what would it look like for a direct entry midwife or an out of a hospital midwife to operate in this state? What what are kind of the risks associated with stepping in and serving women here? And I guess that just kind of goes along with that medical freedom part as well. Like we're not saying everybody has to have a home birth, but like to have everybody have that option or that ability to, and not just the ability to do it by yourself, but to actually have support at home would be so amazing. But there are many women who are kind of putting their lives on the line. And what does that look like? Yeah. What are the risks? Yeah, we can definitely talk about that. I feel like it's something that comes up a lot. Most people in the birth world know, oh, Nebraska doesn't have a great birth culture. Oh, it's not great for midwives there. But I'm not sure we ever really open up about the true risk that those who serve here face and the sacrifices that families make and that the the midwives make. So first, it's very hush-hush normally. Um, Midwives who serve here try not to openly normally advertise to everyone that's what they're doing. So it can be very hard to find them. Families struggle a lot getting names. A lot of times you have to be in the right circle or know the right people to get the resources to be able to contact those who can give assistance. And if you're lucky enough to get that contact, there are very few. Oftentimes you're out of their driving range. They could support other people's autonomy and right to choice. I feel like we could really all come together and make a big change. So having the autonomy and the choices can completely change experiences for families and their whole journey through parenthood and how their children grow up and the experiences they have. And that's something I really felt in Utah was it just seemed like there was a good amount of choices to support everyone's autonomy, uh, no matter what that looked like. And it really helped me come to a place where I understood I don't always have to agree with what someone else chooses. Mm -hmm. I don't always have to understand why, but I can respect that it's their choice and their autonomy and support that way. And that was really helpful. And that's my hope for Nebraska and families is to just have those options and have that support, even if we don't all agree on what exactly it should look like. Yeah. And then midwives supporting that are taking a big risk. They are facing years of litigation and trials and hundreds of thousands of dollars 
in legal fees, possible criminal charges and records. And a lot of times this comes just simply from the midwife serving. It's not always following a loss or an undesirable outcome. As we're seeing recently, Nebraska has a case against a midwife and it was simply just for being at the birth. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a bad outcome. Nebraska currently has two cases against midwives that they have been putting through years of trial and lots of financial stress. And when it comes down to it, they're not actually breaking the law. Mm -hmm. If we read the Nebraska statute, it clearly only addresses nurse midwives and bars them from being at home. But Nebraska really likes to make home births seem unattainable and illegal. And they like to only acknowledge the nurse midwives or not like to, but they only do. That's mm -hmm. the only nurse midwife they have an understanding of. So when they hear of a midwife at home, they automatically assume nurse midwifery is being practiced at home and they need mm -hmm. arrested. To date, Nebraska has had to drop every case against a home birth midwife because it was unfounded or proven they were not breaking the law or they were not performing nurse midwifery. And I think a lot of the lawmakers are coming eyes open to this, that, oh, I guess our statute doesn't encompass every midwife and this is happening. I suppose we should address it, even though I know most of them would really like not to touch it. It's, it's a very hard, heated topic. And it's hard as a representative or a lawmaker to come out with your views on it. So midwives not only are facing that, but they also normally have no access to mentorship in the health system from medical professionals or collaborative support there. So a lot of times they are finding resources, alternative ways for their clients if their client is getting co-care, they have to establish that themselves and request things from that co-care provider like ultrasounds or lab work, get the results and then relay it to the midwife. That's a terrible thing. It really gets families involved in their care, which is a benefit. But a lot of times families don't understand everything that's being told to them to be able to relay from the provider to the midwife. And if the midwife could just talk to the provider and have that relationship, it would be so much better for the families. Everyone would be on the same page. There would be access to resources no matter what comes up in pregnancy or birth or postpartum, because we know that sometimes we need that higher level of care. And it would be really great if the midwives had access to that, but they don't. So oftentimes they are serving, trying to find those resources from other people they know in other states or find one medical professional who is willing to at least talk to them, which can be very hard. They also don't have access to ordering labs, ordering ultrasounds, or anything like that, testing for GBS, that kind of stuff. When I trained in Utah, we did all of that at the birth center and for our home birth clients. But midwives in Nebraska don't have access to any of that. So they're also practicing a little bit blind sometimes. And not that some midwives wouldn't choose that or that's bad, but when you need the information, having to practice without it can be not the most desirable. So they also face a lot of roadblocks there. What they have to do, the hoops they have to jump through to give their clients proper care 
and make sure that everyone is in good condition and keep them safe for the home birth can look like a lot. And so midwives also get very burnt out because they have no support system. They have no collaborative care. If we have to transfer someone to the hospital in labor or prenatally, we never know if they will be treated well, if we will be treated well, if the midwife or the birth team will be reported. And you have to reach out for that care when you need it, but it can be very stressful. So many midwives end up not serving here, burning out, or they are serving really well and someone reports them and they face a cease and desist order from Health and Human Services. That's another obstacle that midwives face here. At any moment, if someone turns them in to Health and Human Services, they can be directed to stop what they're doing. And a lot of times this comes with a full client load of families that they're supporting that all of a sudden they can't support anymore. Sometimes a mom is due. Sometimes the midwife is on call. The same with being arrested. If a midwife is arrested, a lot of times there are a lot of families that go without support while that's happening. And that's something that I don't know that a lot of people really realize until it happens to them. I don't know if medical professionals or lawmakers realize that's happening, but when we're talking about the capacity of safety and safe birth and giving people the support they need, it's really important that people realize a lot of families have that plan and then all of a sudden they don't have it anymore. Plans drastically change because of this birth culture, because of what families and midwives go through to have home births here. So it can be really scary for midwives and for families And it has so much stress in the childbearing year to families, even them worrying about their midwife, worrying if they can share their name or if they say the wrong thing, if their midwife will get in trouble. It's the reality. This is what we're living in currently. And that is, it is a difficult thing to navigate for both those women who feel called to be midwives and to support women and to be in that community. I mean, for many of these midwives. I mean, it's a religious belief too. Like I'm feel, I feel very called to support women. And I feel like this is a normal, natural process that shouldn't be governed by anybody. And there's families out there who believe the same thing. And so this could almost be like a religious infringement to step in the way of parents and families who feel like this is their God-given right to birth at home, and yet we still don't have any support. It's it's truly, it's grievous. Like, it, it grieves my heart to think about all the women that have desired this and have not been able to because they didn't have the support. Yeah, and for just a moment, I would like to also add kind of what, how it can affect families also because I feel like I am constantly contacted by so many people desperately looking for support or options. And oftentimes I don't have it to give to them or I don't have anyone to refer them to and they don't have options. And I hear their stories of desperation and their past stories of traumas or what brought them to this place. And I think that is something we experience even more in Nebraska because Even the hospitals that we have here have very restrictive parameters. 
especially for variations of normal or things like vaginal birth after cesarean, breach, gestating longer, any kind of alternative birth plan a lot of times isn't supported. In much of our state, the hospitals have VBAC bans. And so a lot of families come to me sharing stories of trauma or what came because they had no options. They didn't have the support that they wanted. And I feel like that is a big reason I was passionate about starting the Nebraska Birth Choice Advocates was to give them an organization to amplify their voice. Because while we know, if we look at statistics, a breach restriction only affects three or 4% of families. So when we're using data to decide that, we can say, oh, that's a small amount of people. But if you actually start meeting families in Nebraska and talking to them, it becomes much bigger because there is a large group of people close to home in your state who this has affected. And they matter, their options matter, their voice matters. And if they don't have options at home and they don't have options in a birth center and they don't have options in the hospital, they honestly have no options. And that is very scary. And like you said, completely infringing upon autonomy and religious beliefs and our God-given rights to hire the people to support us in the capacity that we choose for our bodies and our lives. And I think when you put it in that perspective versus, oh, only 4% of people can't have what they want, it's huge and it changes things. So I'm also hoping to kind of normalize that and talking about these populations and these demographics that are really being affected, as well as in Nebraska, we're very rural. So we have lots of rural hospitals closing and or labor and delivery floors and units closing. So integrating midwifery here, recognizing it and integrating it into the health system could drastically help those disparities and help health outcomes, especially for minorities and homes with lower income. And we see that a lot, especially in the rural areas in Nebraska. So there are many, many reasons why this needs to change here. Yeah. And I just love that you have founded the Nebraska Birth Choice Advocates. I mean, it's such a breath of fresh air to know that there are advocates out there who care about me and like my choices and being a VBAC mom. I mean, I didn't have options. I didn't want to go back to the hospital because I was extremely traumatized. I couldn't birth at a birth center because they had a VBAC ban. So my only choice was to birth at home and to know that I like, I'm not the only one who's had to try and navigate that to know that there's a, an organization out there who truly does care about women and their their choices and providing that. So can you explain a little bit about what you're doing now, what it looks like, what you're hoping for? Like, what's the vision for five years down the road of what Nebraska could be? Yeah, absolutely. So Nebraska Birth Choice Advocates was created, like you said, especially for families, for women, and for their voices. So we really want to make sure that every demographic in Nebraska, every variation of normal, every autonomous decision is supported. And we are currently working on many things. The first thing we're doing is working to create some legislation and a bill 
Um, we're mimicking after states that have optional licensing because we do have a lot of families and have been told a lot of stories about families who want traditional midwives. They want unlicensed, uncredentialed midwives for specific reasons, for their autonomy, for their choices. And so we really want to make sure that is supported all the way up to the families who want licensed midwives and want midwives to have access to the benefits that can come with licensing. So it's really important to us, or it's really important to us to support a bill or legislation that would encompass all of those things and really support birth choices. I like to make it more about focusing on birth choices than on midwives. And not that we don't love midwives and need them and they're part of those birth choices, but I always want people to realize that we want support and access for everyone in all areas, including in hospitals and freestanding birth centers and birth centers attached to the hospital. And then of course at home, we would love to see birth centers filled with CPMs and nurse midwives and direct entry midwives and support all over the state. So midwives don't have to drive more than a half hour out of their service range. So that's the first thing we're working on is the bill and the legislation. And we are currently meeting with a lawyer to go over our filing for our 501-4C uh, nonprofit status. We looked into becoming a 3C and chose the 4C because it allowed us options with lobby. We've also, we are getting in contact with a lobbyist who is willing to work with us. So that's very exciting. As soon as we're incorporated, we will start working with the lobbyist and we have a few meetings set up with other representatives in the state. We also have demonstrated a few protests since we became organized. And out of the first one, we were able to talk to the Douglas County attorney about why midwives are being arrested when they're not actually breaking the law and who we address to clarify the law. So he got us in contact with the attorney general and health and human services. And so that was really helpful. Big positive that came out of that. So we will continue to work with those areas. We work on our bill and legislation. And then we also had a protest in Kearney to support a mom who had a very traumatic transfer to the hospital as far as her care and treatment was concerned. And out of that, we were able to schedule a meeting with Kearney Regional, which is very exciting. They have an OB and a director of nursing who's going to talk with us. And we're hoping to start really forming collaborative relationships in those areas. So the hospital can let us know what they need on their end for a transfer. We can let them know what we need and we can make that process smooth. So that was really exciting. We've seen a lot of positives come out of our protests and we are working on adding some board seats and some other social media influence. And we've done a few interviews with the news stations and yeah, we're just working really hard to bring awareness and make this happen and build communities across Nebraska. That is one of our main goals is to get birth choice supporters from all over together and people to meet and build communities in their area. So that way, eventually we have those all over Nebraska and it's not hard for people to get a name or find support or have their doctor work with their midwife so they get the care they need. 
And so that is one of our big goals for this first year. We're also planning tentatively a walk-run event in Lincoln that we're hoping we will have sponsors and people join in, possibly speakers, education tables, and a place for other organizations to join us if they would like, have home birth families there, and just really get this normalized and out there that, hey, there is a good amount of us who want these options and we're here to share with you why can you please support us. So that's kind of our our vision for where we're going. We will also be starting a monthly newsletter. So you can visit our website. It is www.nebraskabirthchoice.org. And right on there, you can sign up for our email list. So you don't miss out on events or call to actions or anything that we have going on. So exciting. There is so much happening after just decades of like feeling hopeless. So this is super exciting. And even for those of you listening who are not in Nebraska, if you care about women's birth choices, no matter where they are, Nebraska really does need your help. And this is a great organization to sponsor and to be a part of. And again, you don't have to live here. You don't even have to be a home birther to care about women having options because we all deserve options. And so I just encourage you to check out Nebraska Birth Choice Advocates, go to that website, learn more. And then something super exciting, Carrie and I are going to be hosting a virtual prenatal together. So for those women out there who are just like, I need that support. I need that community. I want fellowship with other women who are looking for an empowered birth. Again, you do not have to be planning a home birth to want to be a part of this prenatal, Um, but education matters, support matters. And so we want to be able to provide that for you. So I'm excited to be doing that. And do you want to tell them when it is, Carrie? Yeah, absolutely. We are planning to have it on Wednesday, June 22nd at 8 p.m., Awesome. And we will have it on Zoom. So some of the things that will be a part of this prenatal time is a guided meditation. Uh, We'll give some resources, some emotional support, really some practical things that you can do at home to even do your own care and to feel like you are a part of of your care and just feel that empowerment that comes with that. And then also some pain coping techniques. We can go over that as well. Um, I know Carrie, you had done one of the virtual prenatals that I had had a long time ago, probably two years ago. Has it been already? Yeah, it was April of 2020. Oh yeah. Wow. So can you just tell a little bit about that and why somebody would want to join this virtual prenatal? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I was already a midwife when I attended this and I didn't really understand the impact of a village prenatal. I had never experienced one and I joined because it was mid pandemic, mid COVID. And I was feeling really lonely, really lack of support in planning my birth. And that pregnancy, I had been very sick and and needed a lot of things that I didn't have access to here in Nebraska. So I was so excited when I heard that Allie was hosting this with another midwife and I joined 
And it was one of the best decisions that I made. It was so peaceful and inspiring. And it just felt good to sit in a space with other people who were experiencing what I was. And I loved that there were people there who were planning a home birth, even from an induction down to unassisted births. And we could all kind of just support each other and give peer support. And then there was a guided meditation that we were walked through that I really loved. And it just felt really good to be able to ask a midwife in a very casual capacity, hey, can you tell me what you know about the vitamin K or whatever other questions were asked? And so I just would really like to extend that to other people because I was, even at that point, I had been a doula and I was done with my midwifery training and I still learned so much on that prenatal and by sitting with other women experiencing what I was. So it can just be a good resource. And sometimes it just lets you kind of escape your reality and go into this place with other pregnant women and women who support questions and things in the childbearing year. So that can be a big part of building that community. So I'm excited to offer that with you. Yeah. I'm so excited as well. There's a power when women get together. It's almost unexplainable what happens when we share our hearts with one another and when we connect in that way. And especially when you're pregnant, there's just like this heightened sense of, of a need for connection. And so much of that is lost in our culture. And so I'm so thrilled to be able to be doing this again, because it's been on my heart and mind for a very long time. It's just good to have somebody else do it with me. So I'm excited. And if you guys are interested, you can sign up at the link in the show notes below and you can get some more information there. It will be $5 to be a part of this and it will be worth it. I promise you. And if that is a hindrance, please email me. I'll leave my email as well and let me know that as well. So I'm just so thankful you came on and shared a little bit about what's going on in our state today. Is there any last thoughts that you have or any words of advice that you could give my audience? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to join you and share a little bit about what is going on and bring awareness to this, this big elephant in the room that I feel like people have been ignoring for a long time. So I'm very appreciative of that. If there's one thing I would say, if you are in Nebraska and you're feeling very lonely or unsupported, or like you're the only one who wants alternatives for your birth or birth choices, get involved, get on Facebook, you can look up Nebraska Birth Choice Advocates. There's Nebraska Friends of Midwives and a lot of other doula organizations. A lot of them you'll find in the eastern part of the state, but they often know people in your area. So don't hesitate to reach out and start getting involved so we can start building this community. Yes, thank you. So it, where is it best to connect with you? With me, People can always reach out to me on Facebook or they can email sagedragonflymidwifery at gmail.com or look up Nebraska Birth Choice Advocates. You can find us, our website online. You can find our Facebook group. We have Twitter and Instagram and TikTok even. So if you Google us, it should pop up and you can reach me on 
any of those platforms. So awesome. Well, I am so thankful that you came on again. I will put all of those links in the notes below and you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. I really enjoyed my conversation with Carrie and so look forward to hosting our virtual community prenatal. Make sure you click the link below and get your tickets quickly before they're all taken. Also, if this podcast has been helpful for you and you would like to keep it going and hearing more episodes, would you consider becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon? It's because of members like you that keep this podcast going. So thank you to my current members. Uh, This membership starts at $3 per month. And also those Patreon members get an opportunity to share their birth story. So if you have a birth story that you would like to hear, you can reach out to me over Patreon and we can chat there, or you can even DM me at Instagram at empowered birth podcast. All right. Until next time, stay empowered.